Hey everyone, I'm Francesco Akira, the Nova Fireball, the new member of the United Empire. And please enjoy listening Wrestle In. Okay, so hi everyone and welcome to Wrestling's All Elite Listening Podcast, where we're all in on AEW. I'm Alex, one of AEL's co-hosts, and joining me today is Jamie, Wrestling's prolific podcaster and resident Puroroso expert. Today, it's only the two of us. Um real life and um covid getting in the way of things I, f- I feel like the john moxley of the podcast is sort of with everybody off they've it punched somebody or got suspended or injured the leg and i thought i'm there are the the safe pair of hands that tony khan can turn to taking your taking yourself away from <laughs> a, a relaxing evening to cover us yeah well I've, rela- well I've got quite a lot um quite behind on my wrestling this week with um, everything that's happening in Japan there's lots of wrestling going on so it was the plan was to watch um, as much as I can and catch up so that you have to wait while after we've recorded yeah I'm the same I've still actually not watched the G F- the five star final so I need to get on that mm. Um, we've got quite a lot to cover today so we're going to cover Grand Slam um, all the big news coming out of that um the debuts, the title changes, and the signings. Um, going to touch on a little bit of, I guess, negativity with AEW Fallen Brawl out, and then maybe try and um, end on a positive note about general feelings towards AEW at the moment. AEW Grand Slam happened a few weeks ago, and it was a pretty great show. The first match of the night was Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli, and that was a Probably one of the better openers that they could have gone, went with. Yeah, it was a good match, this one. I think my only criticism of it was it went a bit too long for what it, um, for like the content they had. It sort of like, it set a little bit towards the end that they were repeating and padding for time, as it were. Um, Jericho's, he's always wanted to curry favour, get those extra, get the extra five minutes, um, get himself in the opener, uh, that sort of thing. But it, um, it was a good match for the um, opening of the card and crowd got well into it and obviously the Jericho title win was the, the bigger talking point than the match itself but the crowd sort of lifted this one I thought Yeah I would agree, I think um, Jericho's on a really good run at the moment but I think that that kind of sums up a lot of his matches recently um, his match uh, um, All Out versus Danielson was a good match but I felt like that mm. went a bit too long as well Yeah um, he's he's definitely one of those that I mean, given his age as well, he's he's someone who would benefit from shaving five minutes off his matches, both like in physical condition is it and in match quality. Um, but he saw it's I guess it's a little bit of an ego thing with Jericho. But he the match itself, given sort of the limitation of the extra five minutes or whatever, it's it was still a good match and it was um, it worked for its spot on the card as well and. Jericho knows how to do a job, doesn't he? So he uh, he can go out there and he knows what the crowd wants and what he can deliver. Um, so yeah. despite any misgivings, he's still got got plenty in his locker. Yeah, he is. He's adjusted to. Oh, well, he's adjusted to his age really well. Like I yeah. can't think of anyone that's his age that constantly pits on quality matches as he has done, especially in the last year, I guess, since he's um, gotten in uh, like incredible shape and. Um, yeah, I think it's like night and day from when he first got to AEW. Because remember when he won the title, he was sort of he was never in the best shape. But obviously since then, if he seems to have really elevated himself, 
because he was he was also he's always the star, and he wrestled like a star, and he presented himself like a star. But he saw it was like he's back where he is physically as well, and that's always a good sign. Um, yeah, I think yeah. He, the match with I know you mentioned the match all out with Daniel Bryan. Uh, so Bryan Danielson. <laughs> it's the first time I've done that. Um, the, the Jim Ross bug that is the easier of saying Daniel Bryan. Um, but he, the, the match all out itself, I wasn't a massive fan of. But their rematch, I thought that was a splendid match, really. Um, and it's sort of with it seemed like there was the little bit with Danielson taking the lead, and they knew what to do and how to do it, and um, it fitted Jericho with the state he's in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely working. I, I think that's maybe as well why his match with Claudio worked. Uh, um... Yeah. Grand Slam as well. Um, there were a few lulls in there, like maybe a couple that could have been cut out. But working with people like Danielson and Casanova does definitely help in the long term. For yeah, like he, you know, he can't carry a twenty-minute match anymore. So working with those guys is definitely and definitely the best thing for him at the moment. Yeah, I think he's one of those now. Um, he needs a dance partner, as it were. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it still make he's still a very good wrestler. Um, but you've got to be in there with a good wrestler as well, um, which obviously makes for good matches. Uh, and you, you stick someone in there with uh, Claudio and you can't really come out with a bad match. So um, I think it works for a heel as well, like, um, if you do need to work with somebody that's with somebody like that, because you do get to have that downtime as well in the match. Um, you know, yeah. you've got the, the face on the ground for a while, like you can kind of control the pace a little bit more. But I don't know, like I think he's compensated quite well for like not being the the lion tamer anymore. Yeah, he's he's an expert, isn't he? He knows knows exactly what he can do and how to that best to come across well and um I think there's few there's not many wrestlers that uh are on his level in terms of being able to work and get the most out of what he's got. No. Maybe like Tanahashi, I guess. Um and I don't know, Jer- as Jericho will always tell you, Jericho is one of the best of all time. He's <laughs> always quick to tell you, isn't he? I mean, it's fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many world titles is it now? Is it eight? I honestly don't know. Um, I would need to Google that, but yeah, I think so. That number in of itself is actually amazing, given how he debuted in WWF at the time. Um during the Monday Night Wars, full of a roster of really big guys, and he just came in and like overpowered everyone with his charisma and mm. became world champion. Which I don't think many people would have had him down for when he when he jumped ship. Is as much as um, in like the latter half of his career, he's he's always been the um, main figure. I think he played the underdog very well at the at the start, and he. Um, with his size, like you said, and he he just he can fit more than one role. He's very versatile, Jericho. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think uh, yeah. like the latter half of his career has been better as well. Everything from his yeah. rivalry with Kevin Owens to now actually has been incredible. Yeah, I think he, he's 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 on a roll, as it were. And he, I mean, there's blips along the way, isn't there? There always are, um, and the odd match that doesn't deliver to what it could be. But he's he's never one to sort of shy away and he always comes back uh, stronger than a mistake or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting that they've given him the title. I think it's, I think that's probably um, you can talk all you want about the match, but I think everyone's sort of forgotten about it and moved on to the the fact that Jericho's won the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, it's a bit of an odd statement to make, and you wouldn't say even last year that that was a thing that could happen. But um, there's worse things that could happen. I think on that probably the perfect champion to have for Ring of Honor. Um, I never really was into Ring of Honor that much, but I know that that gimmick with um, the diehard Ring of Honor fans will be a heat magnet. Yeah. So he's the opposite of what Ring of Honor was is with the sports entertainer gimmick. Um, yeah, he is. And that, I think it's sort of... <laughs> As daft as it sounds on paper, I think it. I think it will work, and it obviously seems like they're doing it in a direction to push um, Daniel Garcia and yeah. work towards that match. I'm going to assume it's going to be a pure versus world title sort of situation. Um, and I'm, I don't think it's a bad move, and I think it'll, as long as that is what happens, it'll all be worth it. I think it'll. I mean. Garcia's stars rising all the time, but I think it'll also be like a really good feel-good moment for the Ring of Honor faithful um, when a, a wrestler like Garcia takes the championship. To be honest, yeah, it's a perfect match to main event next time they do a pay-per-view. I think um, it's the sort of match that they can. They're trying to propel Ring of Honor towards TV, aren't they? And um, kicking it off with um, Daniel Garcia. This new bright rising star and him being the centerpiece, the focal point of everything. Um, I don't think they can go wrong with that. No, absolutely not. Um, and I think as well, like trying to get a TV deal at the moment. I don't know. Things seem to have gone quiet with that. So having Jericho as the person leading the brand will probably go a long way to help him with that. Yeah, I think. Jericho's the person you can tag on to Ring of Honor and like take it to the TV uh, companies and say Chris Jericho's going to be on this product, as it were. Um, how true that is that Jericho will stick around with Ring of Honor? Um, I have my doubts about that. I think it's sort of he'll um, he'll kickstart the TV deal if they do get one, and then he'll he'll fade back into AEW because that's, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be in the spotlight. Um, yeah. He knows he hasn't got decades left, um, and I think this is the Ring of Honor title's a way of him to keep there. Yeah, and I mean, it'll also like add to his legacy, I guess. If he's the person that leads to a resurgence of um, Ring of Honor, then his le- his legacy will be boosted as much of his as his ego. Definitely. Yeah, I guess the the other big news that came out of. Um, Grand Slam was the acclaimed finally won the championship and what a pop there was for that moment and it was a good match as well yeah I think I was at all out I was firmly in, firmly in the camp of they should have changed the plans on the spot and gone for the acclaimed there and then when the crowd yeah. was hot as they were um, I, I don't think they'll actually lost any steam sorry, any steam going into this one Um and the pop at the end, it was reminiscent of the uh, all-out moment um, with them nearly grabbing onto the title. Um, it was, yeah. So I don't think it's done any harm. And it, 
I mean, you get two matches out of it instead of one. It's always, it's never a bad thing, I guess. So, um, yeah, the crowd reaction was mental here. I mean, for me, the match wasn't as good as the one at All Out, but um, it all fades into the background when you hear the crowd reaction at the end. Yeah, I mean, that match at All Out was amongst the best tag team matches AEW have had, and there's been a lot of really good AEW <laughs> tag matches there. It is something that Tony Khan's done quite a few times, though. Um, yeah. I think he's missed the landing on what what should be the right time for a championship to change hands. Um, it, not even just championships, actually. Like, um, but with Thunder Rosa, um, she lost to Britt Baker, and then I think it was two weeks later or something, beat her in the cage. Um, yeah. like she lost at the pay-per-view, and then um, they, was it? the St. Patrick's Day Dynamite special. Either way, um, that that should have happened at the pay-per-view as well. And it looks like he's sort of delaying gratification on the Jamie Hayter push as well at the moment. Yeah, I think he's one. He's one of those that his fingers firmly next to the pulse, isn't it? He's sort of he's never quite he's never quite on it, but he's he's about he's about five minutes, a couple of weeks, whatever behind. Um, yeah, yes. It's sort of, it, it, it could prove issue in future, and has done, like you say, with Thunder Rosa. But in this particular instance, it hasn't hasn't caused any distress. No, it hasn't, and we still got National Scissoring Day last night. That was quite funny. Um, <laughs> but it's working, isn't it? I mean, it's not. It is. It's. I mean, it's remarkable, really, isn't it? how how far the the acclaimed have risen. Um, but it. Yeah, you, you give the title to the hot act, don't you? That's sort of the it's you do, yeah. Not a difficult equation to make work, and they claimed more over than anybody else in that division. Maybe apart from FTR, but they've got their own titles. Um, so yeah, you stick the title on them. So it's it yeah, makes perfect talent sense. elevate the belt. You don't have a belt elevate the talent, and um, which is a problem that's happened with the TNT title, to be fair. But um, they've absolutely put the belt on the right people at the right time. Their rise has been remarkable. Like, I was definitely amongst the I don't see it group when they were paired together and I just kind of thought oh, here we go, another rap act but um, they're absolutely excellent and they're amongst the best character workers in AEW actually. Once you realise what's going on and you hear the crowds getting behind them and the chanting and the rapping and um, everything that goes with it so you can't help but get on the bandwagon even if it's not aimed at sort of every demographic, it's perfect for the demographic it is aimed at, and you can you can see that even if you're not in the demographic, you can you can feel that it's working, and you can get the buzz off that. I feel. And they've been presented as a an important act as well, and I think yeah. that, that generally does help. That can improve the perception of an act, whether they're good or not. Like it just so happens that the acclaimed are really fucking good, but um, yeah, they were presented well, they were built well, and it's culminated in probably one of the biggest pops in AWS. To be fair, for a cha- for a championship change, yeah. like maybe only when Page beat Omega was comparable. Yeah, Page Omega, um, Punk's title the first one. Yeah, um, I mean even the second one, but I mean more. Um, <laughs> but he's sort of the for someone like the acclaimed to do it. It's not. I mean, I know Hangman Page is a homegrown talent, but he 
had that experience from New Japan beforehand, and obviously Punk's Punk's not a homegrown guy. Uh, the acclaimed yeah. are they are AEW like from the ground up, as it were. They, yeah, they are. For yeah. them to get the crowd reaction, it's a stamp of approval of um, what they've done and how they've been risen, and because um, they've been given plenty of opportunities across the couple of years and in singles matches as well as in tags, and it's it's, it's worked. They've got to a higher level now. They are. They're right where they need to be, and probably a lot faster than a lot of people would have thought as well. It's yeah. really nice to see. They're just they're better wrestlers now than they were. I mean, the first couple of months when you saw them, you think, well, these are not special, and but they've got the wrapping, so there's a bit of a character there, and sort of the wrestling will come, and it's come very quickly. And you told me two years ago that they'd be having a match of the night on a pay per view, I'd have told you to get lost, but we, it's all gone. It's come round and it's worked. Yeah, AEW have done that a few times though, like um, Jade. I um, <laughs> I think that um, firstly, like I think that these um, wrestlers do so well. We don't normally get to see wrestlers develop on TV. Like um, they would normally, you know, get experience. Um, I guess maybe out in the indies, um, get do a lot of training behind the scenes and stuff like that. But people like the acclaimed and Jade, they've been developed on TV in front of us. Yeah, and it's really nice to see them finally getting to that point where they're getting the reactions that they deserve and really, really good performers. Yeah, I think it could be a loyalty thing as well because we, I mean, I, I watch a lot of football and. There's nothing better than seeing someone who's come through your team's academy doing well and someone who's come up from the ranks and they've got into the first team and now they're um, making their mark. And that, I mean, it's sort of the, one of the best feelings you can have. And um, I think wrestling's got the same thing with people like the acclaimed in AEW and that they've, they are a, they're from AEW's um, the youth set up, if you can use the football analogy. And they've burst into oh, the agree, first yeah. team. So and they're um they're sort of headline act now. No, I totally agree. I got the analogy like when um <laughs> Jack Wilshire broke into the Arsenal team, like um <laughs> and, then <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then had twenty five injuries. Uh <laughs> uh his like celebrations after they yeah. won the FA Cup was like you know, he had a connection with the Arsenal fans, he just gets it. And it's a bit like that with wrestling, you know, like yeah. um when they've come through what is essentially developmental with AEW, they have that connection with the fans. And I think that there's more like the same sort of patience that fans have in football with younger players. Yeah. The next match of the night was actually probably my biggest disappointment was uh Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Um their first match was the match that kind of sold me on Orange Cassidy. It was the pack was the perfect foil for Orange Cassidy's in-ring <laughs> bullshit. But um, this one, I felt fell a little bit flat. Yeah, I, um, I had a look through uh, my notes of the, like the sort of like the my match thoughts from the when the show happened, and I don't think I can sum it up any better than I did when I watched it. I said a very average match with a frustrating finish. And I think that sort of sums it up in a little sentence. The match was perfectly fine. It was nothing special. You could probably see better um, an indie show or that sort of level. And that's not saying the rest yeah. is in it are bad. Because Pac and Orange, 
especially Pac, but Pac and Orange Cassidy are good wrestlers. Um, but the match itself was bang average, and the finish was remarkably stupid. I mean, Pac, are we not in a world where the All Atlantic champion and Pac can't beat Orange Cassidy clean? I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me that you can't just have Pac win. I mean, because it. Even if the match isn't great, if Pat wins clean, then you miss ha- you half of the issues with it are, of a non-starter. They're not there because the finish was the worst part of the match. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with Pat. I guess he's kind of like not really a face, is he? He's a tweener, so him. him it seemed uh, like they were trying to make him a heel, which is just never going to work because Pat's that popular. And yeah. he's, a, he's a tweener at best. The story that they... Well, I'm using that te- that term liberally. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess the story that they were trying to tell was um, obviously Pac believed that he was above Orange Cassidy. Um, <laughs> like from okay. the moment that he that he retained uh, all out and Orange Cassidy came out and he, was, and he you know just basically said, no, you're nothing, you're not having a title shot. So him not being able to beat Orange Cassidy clean felt like it was, I guess, consistent with the story that they were trying to weave through that. But it's ultimately just going to lead to a rematch anyway. Yeah, just it, uh, not for me, I guess, for this one. It's I, I under. I mean, you explained the story quite well there with um, with Pat thinking he's not. He, he's he's too good for Orange Cassidy in a sense. Um, I, for me, I don't think the finish showed that. I mean, if Pac thinks he's too good for Orange Cassidy, um, then he should be beating him clean. Otherwise, yeah. <clears throat> otherwise you're showing that Pac uh, isn't too good for Orange Cassidy, which, I mean, he's the champion, isn't he? So um, I think it it, it bit of just messy and unnecessary, really, yeah. I thought. It was too long as well. I've got here, it was, was it 13 minutes? It felt like it ran too long for yeah, what they were I mean, doing. It was, it was it, a long thirty minutes of that. How long it was? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, genuinely, like my notes are thirteen minutes. Really, I thought it was longer. Yeah, it's like um, we keep going back to the football. It's like the thirty minutes at the end of the game where you where you one nil up and the other teams attacking, you keep attacking, <laughs> and you're trying to trying to stop the goal going in. It's the longest thirty minutes of your life. Ah. Uh, as an Arsenal fan, that is a, that's like when time stops. Well, you're doing all right this year, aren't you? Yeah, doing all right. I'm just waiting for the banana skin, though. Hi. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess we're getting a rematch soon as well. Like, uh, I actually managed to watch that Dynamite just before we started recording, and I think he's um, it's either the Battle of the Belts or next week on Dynamite. Um, yeah. So I guess we'll get a clean finish, whoever then. But it kind of feels a little bit like they're building towards Orange Cassidy holding it. Yeah, which um, yeah, it's, again, it's no It's not for me. Um, I don't. I'm not the biggest Orange Cassidy, Orange Cassidy fan in the world. Um, I understand why people like him. I understand the appeal. Um, I think Pat works as the All Atlantic champion, and he can travel around the world. And if that's what they want that title to do um because when he won the title he, his first defense was in the uk um yeah against show um, and I, I went to the show because it wasn't too far away from me um and that's it sounded like that's what that title was made for to travel around the world and show AEW around as it were 
Um, and I think to put it on Orange Cassidy sort of flies in the face of that. Um, it also sells tickets it, as well. Yeah. Like Pac's are Pac's one of the best in the world, like mm. easily. Yeah. And having an all an an AEW championship defended on an indie show by one of the best wrestlers in the <laughs> world definitely yeah. boosts indies. And obviously Orange Cassidy's an indie darling. Um I, I I'm a fan of Orange Cassidy. I think he's really, really good. Mm. I'm not sure his character needs a championship. No, but I, don't, I don't think his character works with a championship, if I'm honest. No, but I also think that AEW have kind of hot potatoed their championships a little bit too much recently. Like, yeah. we do need longer reigns at the minute. And I like Pac is probably one of the most traveled wrestlers mm-hmm. in, the, um, in that company and one of the best to represent them at the moment. Yeah, I think he offers stability that Orange Cassidy wouldn't. No, absolutely. I mean, not not to take away anything from Orange Cassidy, he is fantastic. Like his, he's the best. I think he's like the best kind of co- comic relief that you can get in wrestling because he's a very good wrestler, and um, his character work that he puts into his matches is usually pretty funny. So, yeah, actually, not drop the belt to Orange Cassidy. So I guess the next big talking point from 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 Grand Slam was um, Mox winning the championship. Yeah, that match was absolutely excellent. Yeah, it was a fantastic match. Um, it, the result surprised me to be honest, but I, I, it's not a not a a bad thing. Um, yeah, I mean the match was fantastic, like you said, and it was it was a real fight, and it felt like tough and. Uh, rough and ready sort of thing. Um, it delivered in. It just delivered intensity. I thought. Um, I think the production crew did the best to try and take the intensity away by cutting to MJF every two seconds. But if we cut aside the MJF in the crowd with his little poker chip. Um, if we take that away. The match itself, the in-ring work, it was um, really vicious and fitted. And both, and it fitted the Blackpool Combat Club uh, sort of all around the match. Um, and it's the sort of match that the card needed in its main event. They did. Um, it was an excellent main event, and as you said, it felt really like consistent with what the Blackpool Combat Club is. I wasn't like too shocked by the result because <clears throat> I don't think I think Danielson's made it pretty clear that he doesn't really want to be a champion in AEW. Yeah. Um, but it does have a little bit of the problem, I guess. Like Mox is now champion, I get for the third time, which I don't think anyone could argue that he hasn't earned. But it's Mr. also reliable, isn't it? He is, and um, but it's also now the second championship that he's had, where it feels like his championship is just secondary to who he's going to drop it to. Yeah. So, like it's all you know, like we all knew that Punk was coming back to take the championship, and now. Um, he's obviously at some point going to drop it to MJF. And given how Mox has been Mr. Reliable and carried, like, basically carried AEW's division through the pandemic year, he kind of deserves mm. the a championship reign where he is the focus. Yeah, it's like he deserves more than being the um, it's gone wrong. Who do we turn to? Oh, we'll turn to John Moxley. He deserves more yeah. than that. And 
I mean, we all know it's been, the, the finish has been telegraphed, hasn't it, really? That MJF will win the title off John Moxley. It's just how yeah. long he holds the reign in between the title win and the loss to MJF. It's how long that time span is. And I can't see it being too long. I think it'll be the next pay-per-view um, that MJF takes the title. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, it's disappointing in a way that John Moxley's not being, he's being given the spotlight, but not in the the manner that he probably deserves. Um, but if you can put on matches like this, uh, then there's little complaining to be done when he can go out there with um, Brian Danielson in the main event and deliver a great match um, that was engaging and I mean, had you on the edge of the uh, edge of your seat this match, I thought, and you picked yeah, side here, I think, um, with Danielson or Moxley, and if you just all, it worked very well this match. It did. It just felt like a JR used to say it, like a slobber knocker. It was just yeah. like you wouldn't want to have been either of their chests coming out of that match. It was oh. just it was wonderfully brutal. But um, yeah, I thought the show was good. I thought that it was a good way to kind of move past the bullshit of All Out. Yeah, I think the um, yeah, we talked well, we talked about the issues with Pat versus Orange Cassidy and I think the Four away was a real throwaway, and uh, the the four the women's title match it was sort of there was no real need for a four way to be on the card, and it was sort of like it feels like for me with the women's division as a whole it's sort of Tony Khan remembers there is one and wants to put them on the card but doesn't give too much thought to it. Um, but apart from yeah yeah, so Soraya's debut was excellent, really unexpected actually. And it's nice to have someone in that division that is so recognisable that she's going to have to be put on TV. I think it'll... I mean, the hope is that it'll, it'll elevate the division. I mean, it's sort of... Um, don't count your chickens too quickly with um, if it'll work or not. But I think it's it's got as much chance of working as anything else. And, I mean, she's... Um, Soraya, I think that's how you pronounce it. There was a bit of an argument on Twitter about that last week. Um, but she's um, she's the she's a good face for the division, and I mean, hopefully she can wrestle because if not, it's sort of I mean, it's all a bit worthless if she can't actually wrestle. But um, you got a bit physical on Dynamite actually with okay. um, with Britt Baker, so I'm uh, I'm guessing that she's been cleared. Yeah, you'd think so. I mean, you'd help her, wouldn't you? Um, you would hope so. And then because, I mean, if she, obviously if she is cleared and she can wrestle, then it provides a, a star to centre the division around, which is, it seems, there's a lot of people in the women's division uh, and lots of good wrestlers in the women's division. Um, but then there's just something missing. And I think it's hard to put your finger on what it is, but Soraya might be able to um, offer the sort of the fusion that fixes everything. Yeah, well, I mean, having a star will definitely help that. I mean, like I was saying to my friend the other day, you know, like she's got more followers on her Twitter and Instagram than AEW do. She's got about <laughs> the same number. <laughs> she's got the same, or more actually, I think, than CM Punk. Soraya is an absolute star. But it feels a little bit shit that she's the person that has to come in and, again, instigate like another revolution. When she debuted in WWE, 
it was round about they give divas a chance hero and we're kind of like approaching that level of representation in AEW and it's taken her to debut in AEW for them to finally get good spots or good quarters on AEW again it's not, it's not a good sign that that's what's needed um it's not it, so i mean i'd let the cat out of the bag too much but i i don't watch AEW as much as you or the other people on the podcast um of what I've seen, um, you'd notice that the women's division isn't on an equal with the men's division in AEW. Um, it's not. And it, that, that shift needs to be altered. And if Soraya can do that, then it'll be worth it. Um, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that she will. That the way the promo for the week after Grand Slam, it felt... Like you said, with the Divas Revolution, it felt quite Stephanie McMahon introducing the cast of characters sort of way. Um, yeah. And that's not ideal because it, it puts Soraya on a pedestal above everybody else in the division, which is hard to adjust and get Britt Baker and Soraya on the same level because that's what you want. You don't want a star coming in, then everybody else is secondary to that star. You need the star to elevate and move everybody up with them so i mean time will tell if that's going to happen and hopefully it works i think the next the next few weeks will be pretty telling like yeah. right from the very first dynamite we got an indication of who aw considered to be the future of the uh, company um you know, jungle boy darby allen sammy Guevara, mgf we were all told that these people were special from the beginning and yeah. They've their build has been very deliberate. It's been very well paced. Um, they've been given good stories, prominent stories. Not a single person was given that treatment in AEW uh, from the women's division. And it was only when Britt Baker managed to get herself over during the Daily's place, the Daily's place era, that Tony Khan like started thinking, oh, you know, women can be popular too. Yeah. I think Jed, yeah, Jed Cargill in, has been the obvious way, the, the the only success story really so far, the women's division. Um, so it's, I mean, they can obviously do it because they've done it with Jed Cargill. Um, I think it just takes time and energy, and hopefully they can inject that into the division and they can make more um, main event figures out of it, like they've done with Jed Cargill. I think they've done it. I think well, I think Tony Storm has done it for herself actually since she was thrust into the championship. She's been well, the championship picture. She's been excellent. She gets a huge reactions, and um, I don't know. She's got a lot of charisma, and I think that the fans are starting to like gel to her a little bit. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the the next big breakout should be Jamie Hater. Like that's yeah. who the fans want, and like. She's one of the best wrestlers in that division. She would be one of the best wrestlers in any division that she went to. Yeah, I don't, it's not. Um, wrestling isn't rocket science. You, sort of, you pick best wrestlers and you, can, uh, you put them at the top of the division. And obviously you need yeah. extra ingredients in there. With You need the character, you need the charisma, um, whatever else. But Jade, um, Jade, uh, Jamie Hayter has all the ingredients they just need to put them in the pot as it's sort of uh, yeah. and 
yeah, it needs to be done sooner rather than later because you, you strike while the iron's hot. And yeah, um, absolutely. Oh. Brick Baker feud. You hope that that happens soon and they can have her win the feud and then go on and get the title. I guess the the next thing to speak about is AEW have moved on from the from the bullshit that happened at All Out. Yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting, isn't it, with uh, everything that's gone on and sort of it accepted the ship to um, sort of the ship's hit a rock, but it's it's carried on, um, and. I think the the tournament that led to the title match with Moxley and Danielson, that was a good way of settling settling everything back down, and um, with the with the wrestlers they've got at their disposal now, I think they're doing better they're doing better than I expected um, after yeah. what, everything that happened at All Out. Um, yeah, so I mean, it surprised me that yeah they've done better than before after the. Calamity. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that they had mostly done all right since then. Um, a lot of discontent in the fan base that the the elite were suspended as well, and I think that he's kind of managed to put on some good shows to kind of placate the fan base a little bit. But obviously, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem to have placated the um, locker room who are still intent on fighting each other um think that this is probably going to be their i don't know like a defining period for AEW, whether whether they come out of that well or not um it will probably dictate the next four or five years of of how things are going to go for them because they're losing a lot of original fans they are losing a lot of the fans who turn tuned in for CM Punk, and while they're putting on good matches every week, there is, seems to be a lot of discontent about the way that they're telling stories as well at the moment. So, I think that they've put on like good distractions from this, mm-hmm. um, in the like bookended by some backstage bullshit. But I think they're doing like not too bad. Yeah, I mean, it it could be worse, but that's never it's never the best state to be in. Um, sort of, I think for it, it feels like there's a fire going on in the background, and um, they put a show on in front of it to kind of distract from the fact that yeah. there's a fire going on behind you. Um, it's <laughs> like there's not a fire. It's fine here. Yeah, there's, it's, yeah, everything's fine. That's not a fire. We're having a nice time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's they're not out of the woods. Um, it's it could. Still, all go pear shaped. Um, I mean, it already has in some ways. Um, yeah, it, it won't. I, I don't know if they can get back to where they were before. I think uh, they're at a lower stage now, and I mean, they all they're striking a million a week, aren't they? Really? Um, yeah, and I don't think that's a bad place for them to be, but they need to uh, get 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 themselves in order. To, to maintain that and I mean I know uh, people have said it it's not exactly a new thing to say but it's watching AEW it's quite a draining experience being an AEW fan with everything going on outside of the actual wrestling and that's the sort of thing for me as someone who um, 
is resorting to dipping in and out, I, I can't bring myself to get fully invested in the promotion because every time it gets good, and I'll go, oh, well, I'll watch next week, I'll watch next week, and then you watch next week and, oh, it's all right. But then it all kicks off in the background and you think, is it really worth it? Because next week, Andrade might have a fight backstage and everything gets derailed. And then the week after... CM Punk's mate might bite somebody and then you it just keeps derailing everything. Um yeah. it's sort of it's more hassle than it's worth sometimes. I think it's bringing a lot of salience to the negative aspects of AW programming. So things that might have been might have gone unnoticed six months to a year ago because there's a bit of like baseline frustration with the product if there's something that's not quite right now it's amplified tenfold because people are both drained and fed up i think the 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 is with like a difficult time it's everything gets amplified the negatives are amplified uh, and i think there's been a lot of conversation since aw started and everyone's willed aw on and wanted them to do well for obvious reasons uh, and I think for the last two years, there's obviously been lots of errors in the storylines or in the presentation, but a lot of the fans have turned a blind eye to it and got the rose-tinted glasses on. Um, and it's sort of, that's not working anymore. And I think more people are questioning what's going on now. Um, and the, the AEW yeah. need to sort themselves out. I mean, it's the easiest way to say it. They do. Um, they've lost probably lost one of the biggest wrestling stars that they could have pulled. Um, the kind of per- the person that people think of as the heart of the company is suspended for being bitten. Um, <laughs> it's like I seen a stat the other day. Um, Rob Van Dam suspended for being arrested for, um, for possession of marijuana. And Kenny Omega has been spend uh, has been suspended for longer than him, and you know, <laughs> he was bit. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, it, it, I think that's the best way to sum up AEW at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we could well, we we spent time on a very good show, which is a show that we both enjoyed in Grand yeah. Slam. But then, so you've got the good stuff there, but alongside it, there's just all the shit that comes with it, and it's. You can't have one without the other, it seems like, of AW. And it's, there's lots of good stuff, but is the good stuff worth it when all the bad stuff are weighing it down? And I think a lot of people are starting to turn to the side of saying, well, it's not actually worth it. Um, which, and it's a dangerous slope for AW. You can see it with different industries, um, like CD Projekt Red, like um, absolutely squandering and going into a goodwill overdraft when they launch cyberpunk it's really difficult to get that sentiment back yeah like i mean i don't think that aw have really done anything wrong it's just people are finally starting to like feel bogged down by the bullshit so th- things are like more apparent than they would have been before so i don't think that they're like necessarily necessarily in danger of um losing their fan base but i think that they need to start working really hard to you know get get the fans on their side again because at the minute 
there's not a lot of enthusiasm for AEW. Yeah, I think they're, they're, they're quite good at taking their fans for granted. Um, and there's only one way that, there's only one thing that can happen out of that. And um, if they keep taking their fans for granted, then it'll, it's not going to go well for them. Uh, we just got to sort of see how it goes with AEW and if they can salvage the, um, the situation. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that all we can really hope for is that Tony Khan begins to listen mm. or, you know, like, pay attention, as he told us that we should earlier on today. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, Alex, but I think the, the solution to all our problems is Bandido signing a contract. I think, <laughs> I think that really solves all the problems that AW are having. Yep, because the they really had, like, a dearth of talent, right? That everyone was on TV all the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's just not enough wrestlers on that roster. We need to add no. a bang average lucha wrestler to it as well. I mean, there's just not enough names there. Yeah, I'm not not a fan of Bandido. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't tend to keep it quiet either. I think he's. Um, I get the appeal, but not uh, not my cup of tea. I think he's rather overrated. I, he watches WrestleMania weekend matches, uh, and he does. Um, I don't know if he's done it in AEW yet, but he does a spot where he holds his opponent up in a vertical suplex, but yes. holds them in the air forever. And I hate it because it's you can see that the rest are holding themselves in the air. And it's, yeah, he held he held Chris Jericho up for <laughs> was it like a minute and a half or something yeah, and, like and that. Someone, you can just Jericho like holding onto Bandido's tights so he doesn't fall over. Not sure who was more tired when he dropped them. Yeah, I mean it's the suspension of belief. It's not. It's not exactly there, and in his his finisher, where where his opponent has to hang on to the middle rope facing backwards, like you do in every other match. So those sort of spots remind me a lot, like uh, Dean Ambrose's. Was it the Lunatic Lariat or something stupid they called it? Oh, where he went into the ropes. Yeah, man, that move annoyed the absolute yeah. fuck out of me. As soon as you, like, it's like he's thought too much about it, man. He's gone. I'll do something that no one's ever done before. There's a reason no one's done it before because it looks stupid, and it it does it. It really takes me out of his matches when I see his opponent knelt, lead, holding onto the second rope because n- no one ever does that. We as wrestling fans, we do. We suspend our disbelief pretty yeah. well, but those sort of things are um, they take you out of it a bit, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I think you saw. The whole point of it is to make um, to suspend your belief, and as soon as you see a wrestler getting in position to take the finisher, you just you're looking at it and going, "Well, you can't you can't pretend anymore, can you?" No, it's a little bit like um, when Billy Gunn used to do the Famouser in the Attitude Era, and people would be like bending over yeah. <laughs> for like 45 seconds or something like that uh, when I've been rocked I've not been able to like stand up for 45 seconds let alone hold, <laughs> hold myself in that position yeah um but I guess like on a more positive note they signed Roosh um who since his debut like uh had banger after banger in AEW actually um I didn't know much about him before he came to <laughs> AEW but Seems like a really good signing. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a good wrestler, is Rush and uh, Rush, uh, and I've seen his, I've seen some of his work in Ring of Honor, um, and in Mexico, and he's he's definitely good, and he's got a good look, yeah. a good physique, 
um, a, a good in-ring style. He's quite he, he's one. He's a bit like Andrade, but I feel like he works a bit tougher. Um, yeah, which obviously helpful, and it'll help him along. Um, but then I feel for me, so it's a good signing, and he could be very good, and he could be in a very good position in the company. But there's no faith there for me because you just look at the roster and you see Malachi Black never getting pushed. You see even someone like Ethan Page or uh, Andrade. It's, it's not, it's, they, they don't go, any, go anywhere because there's too many bodies on the roster. Um, and he's sort of, I feel like he's pegged at a level on entry, which is a real shame because he could, he could be very good in AEW. Potentially, I think um, I I think that there's always scope for people to move up in AW. To be fair, like I think they're pretty good at listening to fan reactions to people, um, and then they react to that accordingly. There is a danger of him being, I guess, lost in the shuffle, which would be a shame because what I have seen of him so far, he has been excellent. Uh, um, and it's happened, as you said, to. Um, Malachi, who, as we all know, is amazing as well. So it, it, I don't know. I guess it just depends on whether he's part of Tony Khan's plan. Yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? So if Tony Khan takes a liking to him, then he'll do well. But if Tony Khan forgets about him and moves on to the next flavor of the month, then he's um, he's left uh, in cold water. He's like a magpie. Like every time he sees a new a new wrestler, he just gets distracted by them for a month, and then it's just this endless procession of, oh look at the new shiny. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's I've, yeah, it's sort of like he's sat there and he's got a toy, and oh this one's I like this one, and then the next one comes uh, on his birthday, and you think um, the toy that he really liked, he's not bothered about it anymore because he's got a new one, and I think but it just happens every other week. Um. Yeah, it's sort of a never-ending cycle, it seems like. But there's just there's too much money floating around. It seems like he can just pay for whatever wrestler he wants. Well, as he's very keen to let everyone know, he has more money than Vince McMahon, so he can <laughs> sign whoever he wants. Come on, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Roosh. He's been excellent so far. But the ceiling's again. high, um, but I'm doubtful that he'll reach it, unfortunately. Yeah, and I'm also very hopeful for Soraya as well. Mm. Um, but hopeful despite evident, all evidence to the contrary. Um, when you talk about Jack Wilshire, that, that's the Jack Wilshire mentality, isn't it? So you know he's going to get injured next month, but you sort, you're hopeful that he might not and then he might have a good season. It's the Abu Dhabi hope. <laughs> he's going to be the next Fiera. Nice. No, <laughs> he's not got an uncle to play on. Everyone's the next big thing. <laughs> but yeah, um, there is definitely things to be hopeful for with AEW, and I don't know. I hope they materialise pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a sinking ship by any means. Um, there's no. definitely lots of promise there, and you, we talked at the very start about Jericho, and that feud with Daniel Garcia for me seems to be the key to uh, the future for AEW. With that, if they can build up someone like Daniel Garcia, someone like Willie Uta to be a main event star on level with people like Danielson, people like Moxley, then it'll be all right. 
I know, they did that in like two weeks. <laughs> I've never seen people built that quickly before. Yeah. It was actually amazing to watch. Yeah, I mean, if they can but... get them to that main event scene and get them on that level, then sky's the limit. It actually is. And I guess to end on a positive note, that is actually something that uh, AEW have been phenomenal with since they started. See, I'm, 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 not, I'm not all negative, so I've got positive sometimes. <laughs> I know it's. I guess it's just difficult at the moment to like speak about AEW without acknowledging the absolute gauntlet of um, negative news. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know that. Well, they've got like all of the pillars now, haven't they? It's not just the four pillars; it's like the fifty pillars, seventeen of the buggers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thank you for listening to all elite listening. And um, please check all out. Please check out the other podcasts that we have on wrestling. And um, Jamie will let you know what they are now. Yeah, so uh, I'm, oh, I'm on pure, the Pure Vision podcast, which uh, every month myself, Ben, and Kay we get together and we talk about everything going on in the world of Puro. Um, our most recent podcast came out a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then we talked about our th- uh, our first experiences of Puro. And Trent joined us for that one, um, but we're back to normal next month. Um, we're talking about everything that went on in the month past. Um, there's obviously Noob Japan, which is Kieran's podcast, uh, Flight of Five, which is Ryan's, and the Ocean Cyclone Show, which is similar to Puro um, Vision. That's where sort of where the idea came from for me to do that, um, but they do it in the world of Joshi. Um, and obviously, there's the Patreon. Um, where they do the weekly um, Into the Wrestleverse podcast. So you can check all that out. Um, if I can be very cheeky and get my own plug in, I've, um, my Twitter is uh, jjohnson underscore 16. And if you uh, give that a follow, then you'll see all of my writing and all of the other podcasts I uh, sneak onto when nobody's watching. Um, and I've, I'm doing a Substack uh, website that's coming fairly soon. Um, where I'm branching out from okay. wrestling and doing um, writing about all sorts of different things. So if that floats your belt, then the Twitter, my Twitter is the place to be um, for all updates and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Um, links to um, all of Jamie's um, accounts will be in the description below. And again, you can find us on at wrestling.com and uh, on, on Twitter at wrestling.